thing. Episode 566, second day in a row with Dr. Ken Alvec. He's back in, and we are uh, awaiting on Dr. Stephen Hatfill, who actually I think is in, I think he's in Italy right now. Because I just, I think he's doing the coronavirus like summit in uh, in Rome, and um, oh, okay, yeah, I think he's there. I have no idea, but um, for everyone listening, uh, Doctor Hat, well, he when I when I had him on my podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, he mentioned your name, and I said I had had you on, and he was he got all excited. He was like, "Oh, you, you got to tell him," you know. I said hi, and I was like, "Well, why don't we just do a podcast together?" So, um. For, but for everyone listening, I don't I don't know his background as well as I probably should. Uh, for everyone listening, they know the first episode you and I did, Dr. Alibek, you were the first deputy director of uh, the Soviet Union's biopreparat, and you defected to the United States. And um, Dr. Hatfield, all I know is that post right after 9-11, he was falsely accused of being responsible for for participation in or creation of the anthrax correct yes uh, i do remember uh, a kind of strange strange uh, a strange uh, kind of phrase let me say okay uh, he was named let me say a person of interest yeah and you know what to, to me it was just it, it was the first time and last time I heard something like this. And uh, what what I knew about uh, Steve, we met, uh, I think, may, maybe in 1999, or maybe a little bit earlier. And uh, it was a time, of course, it's very hard to remember it because it's more than 20 years back. Uh, I do remember we uh, did some training you know, just so for some uh, people from FBI, uh, some other agencies, and just because it was a time when we discussed uh, what biological threat was and uh, what kind of defense would be considered appropriate, these type of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we, we never spoke, it's, I don't remember we ever spoke together uh, at the same event, but uh, I saw him uh, doing some, having some classes either before or my class, let me say, or after my class. I mean, just, that's what. And uh, but then uh, we had some personal communication. Uh, there was a very famous person, uh, Bill Patrick. Uh, Bill Patrick was the last one who was one of the uh, leaders of the of the United States biological weapons program, which was terminated in 1972, 1973, but well, mm-hmm. well ago. Uh, by the time we met, he was already in his late 70s or even early 80s, and just and uh, he passed uh, away sometime maybe. 15 years ago, or maybe, no, maybe uh, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, it's, uh, and we met actually through, through Bill Patrick. I mean, just uh, Bill Patrick and introduced us to each other. And you know, just what, what I knew, uh, 
was coming from him or from Bill, that he was originally from uh, South Africa, either it was Rhodesia or... Rhodesia, I think. Yeah, Rhodesia, and she graduated, uh, he graduated from uh, medical school over there. And this the thing I, I knew of. And you know, I cannot say more because you know just uh to me uh it was a time when I was uh that's what I had already done, let me say my uh work, I mean just uh contributing in the field of uh uh studying biological weapons. I mean just I mean analyzing threat of biological weapons. And uh, you know, it was kind of a time when I thought, of, okay, uh, I finished, like we say, my obligation. I mean, just everything uh, I should have told, uh, I did it. And, uh, and you know, just uh, in this case, it's, uh, I was already, uh, already moving uh, from a bathroom area into a defense area. Yeah. It's uh, more what kind of defense would be considered appropriate. Uh, I was working on some projects uh, assessing uh, vaccinations as possible defense against uh, biological threats. Then uh, I came to a conclusion that it's uh, uh, in case of some unknown pathogens, let me say vaccinations would be appropriate. would be, should be considered appropriate defense uh, because it's uh, at some point, because at that time we thought it would take about three, five years just to, to develop a vaccine against a new emerging threat. And uh, and I was working with some scientists and we, uh, I would say, developed a concept uh, of so-called non-specific defense. Uh, broad spectrum fast acting and uh, uh, which wouldn't rely on specificity of uh, of a pathogen it's uh, and it was a time maybe later on but during this time uh, there were uh, defense uh, advanced research projects they had a program with the name of uh, interventional pathogen countermeasures it, it was a pretty, I mean, just they was absolutely perfect. I mean, this is my opinion. It was a great program. And there was, uh, there were about uh, 15 or 20 companies who won. I mean, uh, some, some funding and uh, we started developing different approaches. I mean, just without reliance on, on uh, that reliance on vaccines. This was, uh, kind of our approach. My uh, my principle was uh, just how to modulate mucosal immunity, internasal mucosal immunity, uh, I mean, to protect against uh, some logical aerosols, because the mechanism is just for scientists, it's quite well known. Uh, and you know, just people think, okay, okay, immunity is just in the body. No, it's immunity is everywhere on our skin, let me say in our skin. In our epithelia, I mean, internasal, in our mouth, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, done some 
uh, has some projects. And uh, we showed that uh, in animals, it was a perfect defense. I mean, this is uh, applying these compounds <coughs> using different viruses. Uh, animals would uh, develop diseases. And, but even more, during even that time, I knew about some studies done in the United States in 1983, before I came, some publications in Australia, uh, uh, some other scientific groups, and the kind of general understanding how to protect uh, population uh, from viral threats. At that time, we were talking about uh, other viruses, I mean, just as influenza, I mean, just uh, then, uh, some like uh, influenza, adenovirus, these type of things. And actually, it was great studies uh, done by a number of groups uh, showing that uh, there is a high probability to reduce the number of casualties, uh, reduce the number of uh, people infected, uh, diseased, and what is even more important, to reduce the possible release of the viruses by somebody who's already infected. I mean, this is a, it was a major idea. Uh, and especially to me, it was interesting uh, because, uh, you know, I was always saying, and I published uh, some articles in the books, I mean, some uh, chapters in some books saying, okay, guys, we shouldn't rely on vaccines in case of unknown threat. Or at least we need, we need, we need to have something which would protect us before uh, we, we have a vaccine designed because you can design a vaccine and develop a vaccine against an unknown threat. That's the case. And you know, just uh, the idea was well accepted, uh, but it was already later. But then, uh, for some reason, uh, I still cannot understand why, uh, but there was a publication in, in the uh, Los Angeles Times. And you know, to, to me, I still... Uh, it's interesting from this point. Uh, I do remember a reporter who came to my office, who was going through all labs, and I was absolutely happy saying, okay, you do great job, okay, this is, uh, and of course it's, it would help our nation, but you say, now it talks. And suddenly he published an article saying, oh, okay, 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 can I be made, let me say, by defense, uh, his business. And he actually kind of, you know, a phrase, interesting phrase. His approach is uh, controversial or questionable. And just one sentence. Okay. okay. And, you know, just, uh, I have no idea, but I don't think it was just a coincidence uh, because immediately afterwards, I mean, because uh, that reporter was mentioned there for doing this work, uh, this issue. He started mentioning some, what we say, very respected people on the hill. And, you know, just because of this supported by defense effort. But, you know, but it was, it was never said to corruption, but, you know, how, how it works. Okay, throw the name. Okay, and, you know, just, and now, now just other people were like, thinking there is something wrong in this case. And this, uh, this article actually terminated the program. It was exactly the point when somebody was one article 
I mean, destroy the entire approach which could help us now to protect against. This is, I can say this, I mean, with uh, definitely. Yeah, it's no, you know, it's uh, so obvious. You can, you can imagine, after publishing that article, I thought, okay, if uh, the government does need it, if uh, you know, just some people who were supporting the program started backpedaling, okay, why should they spend much time with trying to to resign this uh, But now, now time, time has come, same approach I offered, tested uh, 15 years ago, 16, 17 years ago. And is being discussed currently. I mean, Dr. Albeck, uh, I'm, I'm, mess- I'm trying to get the link ready for, uh, for uh, Dr. Hatfield. I'm, I'm listening. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be rude and be on my phone. No, 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 no. I'm getting the link for him. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was intentional? That that they published that art? Do you think there was something you know, deeper than that? They were trying to cancel it, or? You can imagine it's, uh, in my opinion, because it's, uh, I don't like when people uh, pretend to be honest uh, at the same time, let me say, kind of uh, political game, let me say, was absolutely obvious in the article. It was exactly the time, uh, 2007, when there was, let me say, kind of at the beginning of, I mean, uh, when Barack Obama said he would run for, for president. Uh, the president was George Bush. And, you know, and because at that time, it was socialist time, times was, let me say, quite a liberal newspaper, newspaper supported Democrats. In this case, I'm not saying I don't like Democrats or, or Republicans because I'm not politically motivated sure. in any situation. But you know, just uh, what I didn't like, I mean, it because it's, you know, it's even from this point. Uh, you know, just when this article was published, you cannot imagine how many calls I got. I got calls, let me say, from somebody uh, who was in charge of this project. We said, DARPA said, okay, can don't believe it. And I was at this place. Then I started getting calls, let me say, from uh, my students offering to write a colleague. Uh, I said, okay, guys, you're liars. This type of thing, that's the case. Don't, don't do that because it's not going to work. You know, in, in this case, uh, it was, that was politically motivated. I mean, just, uh, but I don't want to get involved in any political things. Um, but it was, uh, to, to me, at that point, I thought, okay, guys, uh, you know, it's, it's not a matter of, I would say, uh, being offended, nothing like that. Okay, so finally, I'm free of uh, government work. Uh, and I will be doing a strategy just based on private, uh, I mean, private funding, investment, and so on and so forth. Then I was invited uh, as an expert to work someplace else, and yes, it's, it was well forgotten. But it's still there. It's still there. So, so many people, uh, they mentioned that article. You know, it was kind of uh, when Steve will be 
available, most likely he will tell, for example, what he was going through, and I will tell what I was going through. And it's uh, now nowadays, let me say, it sounds uh, funny, but at that time it was not so funny. Can you? Again, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm his uh, his secretary keeps emailing me. Um, was, oh, is he in Europe? Or maybe I think, I think he is because I saw. I know maybe, there's maybe. there's like a COVID summit right now in Italy, and I know he was speaking there along with several other doctors, all who I've had on my podcast. But um, no, I know his secretary said he he would be. I don't know what's going on, but um, is there, I mean, uh, currently in the states or, or working overseas? I. Th- I think he lives in the United States. I think he is just in Italy this week. I don't even know if that's correct. Um, but I apologize because I, you know, I, I set this up. And, oh, here he is. Right now, here's someone coming in. I don't know. I think it might be the secretary. Okay. I don't know if it's him. Not yet. It's, we have someone. I believe it's his assistant. Uh, someone pretended to be still Someone to be at Phil. He's, he's. We have a Hatfield imposter. We don't know. Hello. We have we have we have Mr. Slaughter. Yes. And yes. Yes, I am not Doctor Hatfield. Yeah, it's an imposter. Yeah, I am an imposter. Uh, we we're having a little technical issue. We had to reboot the computer. You're so fine. if you bear with us, you're fine. Just give us a few seconds, and we can uh, we can get started. So I apologize. You're at nothing to apologize for. Okay, super. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm doing everything very, good. I'm doing very good. Thing. I've been uh since we've last spoken, I've been permanently banned from YouTube. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, then you know you're doing something right because if you piss off Zuckerberg. Okay, you elevated. You're elevated immediately. Elevated in status everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I was really upset when it first happened, but every doctor I've told from Dr. Alibek to Fareed to McCullough, they all go, oh, congratulations, just uh, yeah. without skipping a beat. So, uh, Tommy, what, what was uh, the reason? Uh, the reason was for I had on Dr. Peter McCullough, the most published cardiorenal physician in world history, and uh-huh. he told people uh, – he said, regardless of the vaccine, whether you get it or you don't get it, whatever, he said there are four vitamins you should take. Turmeric, vitamin D, zinc, and Q-certain, which you can get at Walmart. at seven bucks a month. He said it will improve your immune system. I got permanently banned for that because they said it was medical misinformation. But, but it's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, when somebody, I fully support what, what he actually said. I cannot say anything about uh, either curcumin or turmeric, we say, or some vitamins, you know, but uh, the, the research has been done already. Yeah. I mean, there is research showing, it's, uh, you know, just, I, I, I know what I'm going to say, I'm not, in this, it's my, let me put my disclaimer. Sure. You know, you know just, uh, I've been working in the field of non-specific defense, I mean, uh, then uh, initiation of uh, mucosal immunity by using some uh, modulators because first response to any virus we say is our innate response. And innate response means, for example, just uh, uh, our immune system uh, having actually three big systems 
of difference. I'm not going to talking about mechanical difference. It's our so-called uh, uh, complement cascade. It's uh, one of the oldest systems. Uh, then we have uh, innate immunity. It's our you're fine yeah i'm sorry no you're fine this this podcast has been all of us juggling multiple things at once it's like the guy on the unicycle with the plates and the throwing up it's fine in that immunity actually it's it's uh the immunity actually is absolutely uh perfectly well immunity i mean uh, perfect perfectly working immunity you know it's it's not so strong compared to uh, our specific immunity, but the principle, I mean, just, uh, people need to understand the infection starts, let me say, in, in, in stages. You know, just uh, as soon as we have, let me say, just a virus uh, penetrating into, uh, as a parasol, let me say, into our nostrils, I mean, just, in this case, the first mechanical, mechanical, some particles are sitting, let me say, inside the nose. And you know, just uh, and first response because when we talk about innate immunity, innate immunity is I mean mucosal immunity. Mucosal immunity includes, let's say, uh, our response by NK cells, our response by macrophages, dendritic cells, and they are producing, let me say, different types uh, of mediators, uh, pro-inflammatory mediators, and uh, mediators like interferons. And uh, in, in the beginning of each infection, especially viral infection, uh, in many cases, it's sufficient to say just if this immunity is capable to keep the virus uh, from fast multiplication and uh, not getting into blood circulation uh, very fast, let me say, the immune system by itself is capable to control the infection. And if the virus finally is getting uh, into blood circulation, let me say, just the, uh, I mean, uh, the specific immunity is already, I mean, uh, prepared, let me say, for attacking the virus. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, but you cannot use innate immunity uh, manufacturers for treatment because it's a different approach. This is actually the basis why uh, younger people are surviving better than older people. Uh, because uh, in terms of innate immunity, the younger people, they're having a more profound, let me say, very fast response. They produce some mediators. One of them is interferon. Interferon actually is uh, is a protein with a profound, let me say, antiviral effect. I mean, it's, uh, it doesn't work because of the name of interferon actually is coming uh, from the word interference. Mm-hmm. Interference means that, uh, I mean, it interferes with the virus. And, and uh, you know, just, it's, it's, it's a big study. I mean, just, uh, many scientists have already published. Now we have a big group of uh, scientists all over the world, about 100 people. And we communicate and say, okay, guys, uh, I got an email saying, okay, would you support a letter? Uh, because on your knowledge and publications, uh, to say to the WHO that there is something else in addition to vaccines. Nobody said, okay, guys, get rid of vaccines, but we say, and this, this is uh, the thing, for example, we know perfectly well. 
And uh, more people, more and more scientists who published on this, uh, they say yes. I said yes as well, because uh, I published an article in December of 2020. And I said, okay, and I showed it was not, uh, I specifically didn't uh, focus on my own study, because, you know, just it would, it would look kind of biased. Okay, okay, saying, okay, okay. Uh, I'm convinced it should be done, and what what I did, let me say, and it shows the uh, high efficacy. I specifically took uh, publications uh, uh, of some other scientists, uh, starting in 1983 against other viruses, and including the studies done in 2020, showing that say, the approach which is being offered, let me say, is absolutely logical, feasible, and easy to implement. That's why when somebody said in your discussion, somebody said, okay, using using these type of things, it's a little bit different approach. Uh, You know, just it's a, because there are two mechanisms. First mechanism to sort the virus before uh, uh, it, it, let me say, a critical consideration and has an opportunity to, to enter. And there's another approach, I mean, just to balance your immune system such a way that, uh, I mean, a probability for the virus to develop very fast say, is lower. And in this case, we wouldn't see or the probability of having so-called uh, cytokine storm and, I mean, uh, respiratory, respiratory distress syndrome is getting lower. This approach wouldn't, I mean, it's obvious, it's, uh, it's not going to project uh, with 100% efficacy, but it's absolutely obvious based on, again, it's, clinical studies have been done. You know, if somebody says, okay, you cannot use turmeric, okay, guys, I'm saying, okay, guys, go. It's not my study. It's not go to PubMed, go to some other, I mean, research articles, go to clinical studies. Clinical studies done by many scientists in different worlds because turmeric was studied uh, for decades. Vitamins uh, like D, E, have been studied. They have different efficacy, but, you know, vitamin D, let me say, is having uh, a good thing as well. Because I gave my, I mean, Disclaimer, I'm just explaining from a scientific standpoint. Dr. Alvek, I think we have Dr. Hatfill in the, okay. in the flesh. I see it. But we, but we can't hear them yet, so. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, Steve doesn't want to talk to us. He doesn't. Steve's too cool for us. He doesn't want to talk to us. We can't, we can't hear you, Dr. Hatfill. He doesn't want to talk to us, Ken. Yeah. He's too cool for us. He, yeah, he ignores us. <laughs> he ignores us, pretends like we're not here. Yeah. I don't know if he can hear us. I mean, we can see him. Uh, Steve. Steve, do you hear us? I don't think so. I don't, he doesn't. I don't think so. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk to us. Maybe he's playing. he's playing hard to get. He doesn't want to talk to us, Doctor Albeck. He thinks he's he thinks he's above us. 
que look at you, at me, and okay. Who, who are these guys? They don't deserve to be talking. I, I don't even know. Now we have Donald entering. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens. So we can see Mr. Slaughter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you have audio on, on uh, Hatfield? Uh, no, we can't hear Hatfield. We can see him. Hello? Hold on. Oh, wait, hold wait. On. You just said something. Wait, wait, wait hold on. Oh, wait, yeah. He's, sure com- what, he's but, coming through. But he might wait, be. Let's see if he but we'll try it now. Try it now. Hello? Hello. 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 Okay, good. Oh. Perfect. Give me a second. Okay, now go ahead and speak. Dr. Hatfield? Yes. Test one, two. Well, it's it's, it's echoing. Now we've got an echo. Uh, okay, try it one more time. Test one, two. There we go. There we go. Much better. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Dr. Hatfield. Dr. Alabek, hey. we've put it together. It's been just 30 minutes of the podcast. We've been juggling nine things to try to get it working, and it seems that the stars have aligned. I can. It's great to see you. Great to see Last you. Last time I saw you in 2001. Yeah. Can you imagine it's 20 years ago? Yeah. It's a Your daughter has to be all grown now. Oh gosh, it's just uh, the older one. Since then, I, uh, I had the second one. Yeah, the second you, one. You, you, you remember? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, Kira, she was crawling around, I mean, trying to catch a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's now 21. Yeah, it's uh, a big lady and just it's fighting me time to time. Or some things because uh, say that you're old guy, you don't understand. I mean, uh, real life <laughs> nowadays. How, how about you? I'm doing well. Okay, that's great. It's, uh, where are you nowadays? I mean, just uh, states, uh, Europe, both uh, Puerto Rico, Malaysia, Florida, and Washington D.C. Wow, you're traveling a lot. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's. And uh, Steve, it's uh, I understand. You know, just for you, uh, maybe uh, 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 Tommy, if just if I may, to give my perspective, it's I yeah. remember the time. It's still I cannot say I, I remember details. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, history of Steve knows everybody because it's. Uh, you know, in, in my opinion, something. You know, it's uh, to me, uh, Steve, you are a heroic person because to go through all this stuff, I mean, for years actually, let me say something horrible. Uh, and then just uh, my situation was simpler, but you know, just, uh, I wouldn't say it was funny. I mean, it's, and you know, just maybe just to make a long story short, uh, I do remember uh, September 11, uh, mm. and I do remember way of war. I mean, just, uh, all the situations. I mean, just panic and so on and so forth. It was uh, exactly the time when we uh, took our daughter, let me say, to a doctor's office in Arlington, and then, then uh, after all things happened, let me say, we tried to get, re- I mean, 
it of uh, it took us seven years uh, to get from from Arlington to Manassas. We lived in Manassas at the time. You can imagine the level of gain. You know, just uh, but when uh, uh, this situation was uh, anthrax actually took place. Because I don't remember details, like there was some publication about some, some people who died with the same book Raton, this was remembered. Uh, and then some information about... Uh, I do remember the places. Trenton looks like it was a place where it was sent. Uh, at least from, from newspapers. I mean, it's, everything I knew was from newspapers. Then some uh, things in New York some postal offices, at least I was like, but you know, a situation after uh, after this uh, uh, attacks on the World Trade Center, let me say, just, I don't remember the exact date, looks like it was someplace sometime either in September or October, mid-October summit, I don't remember exactly. And, uh, you know, just, I can just in one huge scale, let me say, nervousness, let me say something new was coming. And I do remember just for weeks, days and weeks, I was going to the hill, let me say, just uh, explaining to uh, uh, to the Senate, to, I mean, to congressmen, what was happening, what kind of defense what they should, should have done, and this type of things. But no, but in parallel, there was a second track. The second direct, I don't remember exactly when, but looks like it was mid-November or beginning of November. Uh, I got a call from somebody saying, okay, okay uh, we got your name from somebody and uh, will it be possible if you come to uh, to the Washington's FBI uh, field office? Okay. I came over and you know, just six or seven people who were talking to each other, they were showing me some micrographs. I wouldn't explain what I saw, but to me it was from the very first moment I understood possible uh, technology of making. And it was not, let me say, Russian technology. I knew this for sure, because the technology would be different. And, uh, you know, when uh, I notice some specific layers, I wouldn't elaborate. I'm sorry, because it's even uh, I didn't sign, let me say any restrictions, but I wouldn't elaborate these things. And uh, you know, just during the talk, I was looking at the speeches and so on and so forth, and just and suddenly I noticed two guys sitting behind this FBI agents and staring at me. At that time, I had no idea what it was, but somebody probably said, okay, these guys are profiled. And for the first time, I found out what it means. <laughs> and then, but it was going in parallel with the service. Just, it was a kind of separate track, FBI, and another track, I mean, Congress, some other agencies, and just everything was going in parallel. Uh, then, Somebody came saying, okay, uh, Dr. Kalebek, uh, because all people who had knowledge of anthrax 
چوب به پایین رفت Uh, 
uh, Pfizer. I mean, it's, and creating kind of schematics, you know, okay, based on this and this. I mean, these guys did this work, let me say, uh, uh, but they got an order from a pharmaceutical company uh, because they had some uh, antibiotics overstock. <laughs> Just the level, the level of, I mean, stupidity. Then uh, some people came and said, okay, uh, Dr. Dr. would you sign the book? And when I was signing the book, I mean, just saying, okay, Dr. Gart and so on and so forth. <laughs> and I know one of them was keeping a copy of the letter with this <laughs> my signature. Oh, jeez. And it was continued for quite a while. And <laughs> Dr. Albeck. And, and Dr. Hatfield, with with both of your experiences, kind of what you're both describing is that sort of like fog of, of war. Do you see that? And I'm sorry if I interrupted you, Dr. Albeck. No, no, no. Just, uh, you know, just also at this point, maybe uh, Sivo wants to talk, uh, say about his experience. Because actually, Sivo, sorry, but, but your experience, I mean, I understand what you could have felt but, you know, just when you always uh, in all newspapers. Yeah, we haven't we haven't let Dr. Hatfield say a word. It's just been Ken and I. Dr. Hatfield, your thoughts? Well, pretty much the same thing. It's um, the polygraph. They told me I passed it. Well, the guy disappeared. He took the tracings away and came back. No, you're fine. Everything's good. Okay. Didn't think anything more about it. You know, you understood if you were, I was working with the uh, military at the time on countermeasures. And uh, you understood, yeah, no problem. But then uh, it just never seemed to end. So I don't talk about it, as I mentioned to you before. I, I don't discuss this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't, um, I don't want to make you guys discuss anything you don't want to um uh it, it was ridiculous sure absolutely ridiculous dr hatfield you just spoke you were just in italy correct yeah i just got back last night are you all right i'm so sorry you're probably exhausted it's I no no I'm I'm good. I saw a picture of you because I had on George Farid on my podcast and I and I looked at his Twitter um, and it's it's you with him and I'm like, hey that's Doctor Hatfield and then I was like, he's supposed to be on the podcast and I'm like oh no he's probably going to be exhausted <laughs> and uh, so, all right no I stopped on the plane I had an exit aisle and I had the whole road to myself oh, so beautiful yeah perfect um, right so with you speaking in Italy. And what, yeah. what kind of seems everything around, you know, me getting permanently banned from YouTube for talking about <laughs> vitamins, which to me... No, no, you'll, you'll be banned, let me say, after talking to us. After having you guys both on, yeah, I'll be banned. I'll be I'll be IP banned. I'll take away my internet. Well, you know, you're going to polygraph. Hope, <laughs> hey, man, you know what? What else can they do? Hey, Tommy, why'd you get banned? Because I'm awesome. Yeah, and it'll say true. But... With with everything going around with COVID right now, right? I'm I'm 31, and it's it's I barely remember 9/11. But with with everything that's going on right now, and there seems to be all these different things. You got to get the vaccine. You got to get the booster. Don't get it; it'll kill you. You just need vitamins. You need natural immunity. All and there's everything in between. Does any of this 
remind you of of or do you have more experience with this from your own experiences looking back at like the quote unquote fog of war and now 20 years has gone by and you can kind of see how in the beginning everything's up in the air and then it solidifies and in hindsight you can see it right history you never realize it's history until it's in the past with everything going on right now do you find yourself less prone maybe like I am do you find yourself less prone to what's going on and more do you look at it as like this is the natural course of things and in five years ten years covid will start to make sense i'm not sure if that question makes sense but dr hatfield do you what are your thoughts on that i used to have complete trust in the government and the security apparatus the national security apparatus and uh, you know that was destroyed completely um you know the hijackers could have been caught but they screwed it up and the investigation it's just i don't trust anything out of the government now and um i really didn't want to go to the white house and work you know i was trying to get out of it and um it, it was explained to me, you know, this is like, and I just finished the research on pandemic preparedness. So I knew the state of affairs. And um, it really wasn't something I wanted to do, but I had to. And um, I tried three times to get out of there. And each time I had to cancel the plane ticket because it was just one thing after another. And then the second wave came and the banning of hydroxychloroquine, intentional banning, by the way. Did I ever send you that paper? The paper is going to be published. It's peer reviewed now. It'll be published in the uh, um, American Society of Physicians and Surgeons, but it's all referenced. I mean, there's no speculation there or anything. And uh, three individuals destroyed the national pandemic plan on purpose. There, there's no other explanation. And uh, that was Rick Bright at BARDA, Janet Woodcock at the FDA Drug Evaluation Center, and Anthony Fauci. And, um, you know, September 2020, the, FB, the uh, FDA commissioner was on a radio talk show and they'd already banned hydroxychloroquine. Uh, the Ford study had been published showing 51% mortality reduction in early hospitalized patients, not later, but early hospitalized patients. Um, New England Journal of Medicine failed to, they, they just said they're not gonna publish it. I mean, this is the biggest clinical breakthrough paper. It was a very large study in the Ford system out of Detroit, multiple hospitals and investigators, and overwhelming 51% improvement in mortality. And they don't want to publish it. And without making accusations, uh, we found that uh, Janet Woodcock was on the board, editorial board of the New England Journal of Medicine. Mm -hmm. So 
Stephen Hahn was the FDA commissioner. He gets uh, uh, September, I think, of 2020. This paper came out in January 1st. And uh, they'd applied for a new emergency use authorization, and it was just refused by the FDA. Um, something with that magnitude of benefit, it just didn't make sense. And then Stephen Hahn comes out on a radio program and says, yeah, uh, I think hydroxychloroquine really does something. Well, if it really does something, why didn't you reinitiate the EUA? Um, Dr. Fauci was supposed to be advising the president on the best courses and of action. Why didn't he immediately initiate his randomized controlled clinical trial, which isn't necessary if you have such an overwhelming benefit, mm -hmm. randomization has nothing to do with it. And the Spanish study that came out a few weeks later after the Ford study showed a 66% improvement in mortality. And these were hospitalized patients. This wasn't the early use within, you know, four or five days of symptoms. These were people shortness of breath, interstitial uh, uh, edema in the lungs that were two or three days away from going into multiple organ dysfunction. So it just didn't make sense. And now I see that uh, the venture capital firm that was behind the Moderna vaccine, um, former commissioner Hahn is now their senior medical advisor. Oh, what a, what a coincidence. That's, it's almost like the uh, guy on the... It's always the case. Right? It's not coincidence. Just yeah. if you go through history, you'll see all the things. I mean, just right. how many of them are from the government are getting to private companies. I mean, the board, the, the guy on the board of directors of Pfizer also is, uh, what is he, the CEO of Reuters, who do their daily fact-checking. Um, oh, the daily fact check. Yeah, that thing is wrong as all get out. Yeah. You can't believe the thing on that. Well, it's again, it's the same guy. The CEO of Reuters is on the board of directors yeah. of Pfizer. <laughs> and it's, huh, what a what a coincidence, right? It's no, this is this can't be tolerated any longer. There has to be an independent council. And we've got to get the, to the bottom of this conclusively. We We didn't know what was going on. Sure. Rick Wright came out of nowhere and said, uh, you know, hydroxychloroquine is very dangerous and will kill you. And then, uh, you know, we need to withdraw the EUA. Janet Woodcock had phoned him right after he was given the task to, to make an EUA. We really didn't need it. We wanted an IND, investigation on a new drug. Uh, we had secured 62 million doses. We didn't want to, the people with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and this type of thing, we didn't want them to run short of their medications. So we had to get some outside hydroxychloroquine. And uh, this was done incredibly quickly, just before China shut off all exports to the United States, followed very quickly by India, because they needed it for their own population. And um, we had it in the national stockpile, but it, the agreement we made with the people, our friends that gave it to us, 
was that we're not, it wouldn't be sold on the open market. I mean, this was a gift from other nations and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredient. Um, so we needed an IND. And Janet Woodcock phoned Rick Bright the very next morning and said, uh, no, no, this is a very dangerous drug and uh, it needs to be given to people already in hospitals so we can monitor them. So, uh, you know, let's issue an emergency use authorization, which they did. But all the data, some 10 papers, 24 Chinese papers, uh, French data coming out of South Korea, all showed that early use treatment within the first four or five days after the onset of symptoms uh, gave the best results. When, you're, when your kitchen's on fire, the stove is on fire, you throw water on it, right? Yeah. You don't wait until the fire department arrives, yeah. you know. And for COVID-19, hydroxychloroquine was that bucket of water. Yeah. It, it put out the flames before the multi-organ failure and damage and out-of-control immune reaction started. It kept it to just like a rotten head cold. Well, which one makes more money, throwing the bucket of water or a three-engine alarm? Well, hydroxychloroquine is about 60 cents a tablet, and you needed 11 tablets taken over five days. Bingo. It's So remdesivir costs $90 to make, and I think it sells a course of treatment is close to $3,000. This was, this was Fauci's favorite drug. He pushed like hell for this, knowing that it could only be given in hospital. It had to be given IV over five days. Well, over 10 days to start, but they were killing the patients that put that length of time. So they knocked it down to five. And um, toxic drug, and uh, one that the virus would eventually mutate away from. You know, it's a nucleoside analog. If you didn't have other drugs to give it with, we saw this in HIV with AZT. And um, um, treating in-hospital patients doesn't stop a pandemic. You have to treat them as outpatients early and their whole family. And when they withdrew the EUA, the doctors got terribly, well, first they did a black box warning, which scared all the doctors from using it. And then the mainstream media went crazy over it because President Trump had said, you know, it, it looked promising. And uh, physicians were afraid to use it. And you could see, I mean, it just, the use, we had, it was starting to plateau in New York City because the doctors were writing, I mean, we could see it going out the door and being used. And um, it, it, the cases were, they were starting to plateau. And then the black label warning came out saying that uh, it should only be used in hospital because it's very dangerous. Janet Woodcock is, or had rheumatology training, connective tissue disorders. And she would have known this drug had an exceptionally safety profile. It had been used for well over 40 years for connective tissue diseases, autoimmune stuff rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, lupus erythematosus. And um, 
Here's the thing. COVID-19 is a disease in two phases. The first phase is an upper respiratory tract infection. It's a head cold, maybe with a sore throat, a little bit of coughing. And that'll last up to about day seven. And then in some patients, it goes into a deadly late phase. And the virus is in your lungs, destroying your lungs. You throw blood clots everywhere, kidney, brain, heart. And about 30% of cases have in heart involvement, up to, up to 30%, 18 to 30%. And this was given all the irregular heartbeats and everything else that they were blaming on hydroxychloroquine. Um, thousands of patients, COVID patients, thousands have had hydroxychloroquine. A, a good portion of the world is using it. And um, adverse cardiac events are not a problem if the patient is still in the head cold phase. In the late phase, after they banned hydroxychloroquine, people are still getting fatal heart rhythm irregularities and dying of cardiac events that had never had a single tablet of hydroxychloroquine. So, I mean, this, this needs to be investigated thoroughly. And, um, I mean, this can't happen again. Even the journals were involved. The Lancet, with all their fake data, with the big search cell thing. That never, I mean, we looked at the paper, and in five minutes you saw there was something really wrong here. This never should have made it through peer review. And in the same issue that this was published is a scathing editorial, uh, unsigned, just criticizing President Trump. Now, Richard Horton, the senior editor, says he didn't write it. But when you do a word analysis on it, it's the same phrases that he's used in the past in other articles. <laughs> so, over half a million people are dead in the United States and millions around the world. People follow the United States. We're supposed to be the leaders in this. And it's like an acrobatic team, airplanes right? Mm -hmm. The Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds, the Red Devils, they're flying and everybody watches the leader. And if he goes into the ground, they all go into the ground. It's happened before. Yeah. And we took everybody into the ground, three or four people, senior federal employees in the U.S. government took everybody into the ground. This we should have lost no more than at most. I, my guesses would have been thirty thousand, and modulated the second wave. We expected at least three waves, and all that all we've done is drag this out until mutants have had time to form. Vaccine escape mutants. Vaccination was never the way you handle a fast mutating RNA virus. This isn't like measles. You get a measles shot. You know, you have memory cells for the rest of your life or mumps. 
or smallpox, yellow fever. This this thing is making really significant changes about every two weeks. And it's rolling the dice at random, looking for the perfect combination that will allow it to spread the most efficient. It's all it wants to do, a virus, is reproduce. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, and to be uh, wary of time, uh, Dr. Albeck has has 12 minutes before he has to, before he has to go. So I, what you were just saying, you know, when I first started interviewing all these physicians about COVID kind of like, drawn to like a magnet, I was like, this is all about the vaccine. There's something with the vaccine, but the more I'm looking at it and the more I'm trying to see it with a sober mind and use Occam's razor and use historical precedents yeah. is it seems very clear that it's, Hey, the vaccine was with 15,000 dead that's small fry in comparison to the bigger story. The bigger story is, is there was a known way to treat this as George Fareed has what a 99.99 survival rate with COVID patients in the Imperial yeah. Valley in California. Uh, Dr. McCullough says there could have been comorbidities, age, everything. And he, he's a Harvard physician with 51 years of medical practice under his belt. Dr. McCullough came on here and said that they could have an 85% reduction in hospitalizations. If this is known with cheap ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, if this is known, the 15,000 vaccine deaths will be nothing compared to the 85% of 650,000. And I said it that way because I can't do math off the top of my head. That is being known and suppressed to make money off the mRNA vaccine, this will go down. This will, if this is how it comes out, this will make Watergate look like nothing. This will be more. Well, here's another, it's here's insane. Thing for you. I, I published a peer-reviewed paper, referenced. Uh, I used Rick Bright's own whistleblower complaint that he filed after President Trump fired him for insubordination. In his, Rick Bright's own words, the Janet Woodcock phoned him and told him to get a EUA instead of an IND. The, um, then it all made sense, but I refused to believe this was happening. Uh, no, it did happen. And, I mean, we failed this pandemic. Our grade is an F, F minus. There's other things out there a lot worse than COVID-19. Ken will tell you, some of these viruses have 40% mortality rate. In fact, there's probably a million viruses out there that we don't know about, at least a million. A lot of these are animal viruses. Some of them are from mammals. And some of them are capable of jumping species into man. We don't, we're getting an average of one new infectious disease a year that we've never seen before since about 1995. It's, it's this concept of emerging infectious diseases. There's reasons for it. But around 1995, we crossed some sort of a threshold. I think it was our just our population numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's a Chinese Ebola 
variant now. Uh, that's so far this year. There'll be more before the end of the year. If we don't get our act together and we get something that starts killing people, we're going to lose the infrastructure of our 120 largest cities because there's not going to be anyone to do the work. Yeah. I'm glad about so many minutes I need to leave. Yeah. It was great to see you. Uh, just if you let me, maybe uh, for three five minutes uh, to tell. First of all, I support what Steve is saying. You know, because we studied uh, hydroxychloroquine. So it's it's a great anti-inflammatory medication. It has been uh, in use for about 40-50 years. And then when somebody said, look, okay, we heard uh, about 10 cases when there were some uh, uh, cardiac problems, but why they didn't, uh, didn't they say that it was, they collected from about several million cases when people used, because there is a system to collect adverse effects. And if you, from 10 million cases, you have 10,000, it's adverse effect, let me say, is absolutely minuscule compared, uh, compared to traditional drug use. It is even in case of using ibuprofen will have more adverse effects. <laughs> and you know, just because uh, I didn't talk much about, first of all, I can uh, talk about all things freely because I don't do any work, let me say, in COVID-19 defense. Uh, the only thing I've done I gave my first interview uh, at the end of January of, the la of last year when I said, okay, guys, uh, the pandemic is coming. It was just, it was a time when uh, we had about uh, 700 people, uh, people infected and about 170 people dead, not in the state, in the world. It was not in the United States yet, uh, but it was obvious that the track was absolutely obvious. The, uh, the pandemic would come. I said, okay, guys, uh, it would take time. Or it will get worse before it, it gets better. But I, I was very optimistic. I thought, okay, it would take about a year. Not and so just, I didn't know that uh, it was, it would be so, so devastating. And you know, just, uh, I do remember, I still remember, okay, guys, 170 people dead by then. And it, it was the end of January. We started getting the epidemic in, in, in the middle of March, guys. We had 45 days. And then it just being, uh, uh, I mean, by training the military physician. You know, just if something, something is coming, it's something like, let me say, being, uh, being with the military. Okay, if there is a threat, it is what we do. We organize all the stuff, we check all the things that we say, we assemble specific teams or, I mean, I mean, uh, divisions, brigade, and so on and so forth. Just, and everyone is responsible for, for certain activity. And 45 days for uh, mobilizing, let me say, all the effort is sufficient. We haven't done this. The idea of using uh, hydroxychloroquine, let me say, this is actually showing, let me say, how the government, let me say, is, uh, I would say, suppressing 
uh, I mean, scientific views. Uh, because you know, just to take a look open all things, because we know the mechanism of action. We know, for example, what kind of things hydroxychloroquine can uh, do. And just a simple thing, okay, just for preventative purpose, okay, if you have no idea what to use for treatment, use it for prevention. You know, just uh, millions of people are using this for many diseases now. They're using for lupus, they're using for uh, irritable bowel uh, syndrome and so on and so forth. And all of them are pro-inflammatory diseases. All of them are autoimmune diseases. Okay, it means the drug is suppressing inflammation. And it's absolutely critical in case of uh, in case of COVID, let me say, not to let uh, say the kind of storm, let me say, just have to take part. This is the case. But you know what, this is just a part of the story. You know, just, uh, again, I don't want to get involved in any political politics because I, I hate it because I've been there and uh, I, I'd like to stay away from, let me say, from criticizing uh, people. I'd like to talk about, let me say, uh, science. Say, uh, I'm saying it again, I don't do any research in COVID-19. It was my principle. It gave me uh, the right, let me say, to publish some articles. Last year, I published an article on uh, inflammation as an uh, underlying condition. It was proof that uh, underlying uh, chronic inflammation, let me say, is causing a much severe uh, uh, form of COVID-19. It was statistically proven. It was just done and, uh, and we published it and never planned but we said to use it. Second article we published. It was in December of 2020. It was accepted. The Journal of Research Ideas and Outcomes. And we said, guys, what do you say? This is, I specifically didn't touch my research because I've done research on uh, interference for, for prevention. And this was 100% efficacy. But you know, for that article, for that article, I decided not to use any of my studies because it would be considered a kind of bias. And I just used all publications coming from completely different scientific groups. From 1983, when uh, it was, uh, this substance was tested against many different uh, viruses, respiratory viruses, up to 2020, when it was already proven that it's working against COVID-19. For prevention purposes, 100% efficacy. For treatment or early stage treatment, it's already known. And guys, it's, I already talked to some uh, some people. I was told that Congress gave an order to FDA, let's say, to, to have, I mean, uh, third phase of tests. Everything is appeared. But what Steve mentioned about the severe, you know, this is, in my opinion, one of its, I wouldn't discuss it whether it's corruption or not, how it works, and so on and so forth. But, you know, guys, research has been done with very well-known old medication, ribavirin. It showed, let me say, pretty good efficacy, let me say, to, to treat this infection. Why wouldn't you use it? So it's already done. It's, it's not used for a particular virus, let me say. It's a broad spectrum uh, medication for RNA viruses. 
know, what kind of clinical studies we need to talk about, guys? It's, it's a broad spectrum of development. Just go and just see publications. It's, this is the case. It, it's money. I think that's the answer we all know and that none of us want to believe is true. But it's money, and it's it will eventually break because everything does eventually break. Every story eventually comes out. However, it is three fifteen. I told Doctor Alabek I wouldn't hold the, the, the last the last thing I'd like to say. Okay, guys, there, there is uh, a supplement with the name of uh, N acetyl cysteine. Mm-hmm. NAC. Yeah. yeah, it's a very uh, well known anti-inflammatory supplement. Yeah, it has been it has been the market let me say for about thirty or fifty years. Nobody paid attention. You know, just nobody cared about this. I take it every day. Yeah. Can you imagine this? Just one of the companies actually stated that uh uh sustain could be a good anti inflammatory uh thing, let me say, for COVID nineteen. And you know what happened? FDA issued a warning and prohibiting Amazon or some other place, let me say, to sell uh, NHL sustain as a supplement. Now they say it should be considered a drug. You know, just it's, a, it's, it's something just never heard of. Okay, just if for 50 years it was a supplement, why should it become, let me say, in 50 years, just in one case, because uh, it's Showing efficacy against COVID 19, why should we become drug? And it, is, it's, it sounds like this okay, guys, you found something let me say, which protects people, but we're not going to let you treat yourself and survive. Well, again, is it's, it's money, right? Ivermectin, 40 million no, doses, Nobel yeah, Prize. Yeah. I, I cannot even, it is, it, it's a matter of comprehension. You cannot comprehend what. Uh, thinking process they have in mind. You know, just, uh, and one more simple thing, just my personal experience. Years ago, we designed some uh, antibodies, let me say, to, uh, to, for passive, passive immunization COVID. And it was working, let me say, against uh, biothreat agents. I mean, just one thing, let me say, against plague, chloramia, and, uh, and uh, anthrax. Because it's it's a synthetic uh, antibody, and the industry can measure this. They say we would never give permission to you. Just don't even try, uh, because maybe a sequence of things, let me say, would uh, produce negative effects uh, on my, uh, on the microbiota. I said, guys, what are you talking about? Antibi- we are using antibiotics in the huge amounts. Nobody cares about it, it's a poor spectrum. Because we use antibiotics a long time, it's, it's, and now, now just because something which is focused specifically uh, on certain pathogens. And it is because it's, I didn't care about this. It's, you know, the research has been done, it was published, and I knew FDA would never give permission. But the, uh, the argument they use, let me say, is uh, in that case, in many other cases, like uh, hydroxychloroquine, Interferon alpha, interferon beta type one, interferon. When you think of this, the logic is absolutely unclear to me. On that note, Dr. Albeck, I also have to let Dr. Hatfield go. Um, well, so we will wrap this one up for right now. 
I would love to get you two together again, and uh, that would be awesome. And it's it's I feel like a moron. I have geniuses to the left and the right of me on the screen, and I'm sitting here trying to juggle this. I got you guys are both very esteemed and accomplished, well known doctors, and I'm sitting here in like a frayed polo, getting banned from YouTube for talking about vitamins from Walmart. But you know that's uh that's where we are. That's 2021, and I'll take it. And um, Dr. Hatfield, Dr. Alabeck, I'll put both of your uh, links to your books in the uh, in the description. Dr. Hatfield, you owe me an episode with your book, and uh, we, which we still need to do because Ken and I have done one on Biohazard, but we have yet to do one on Three Seconds until midnight. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll definitely because it's the uh, last time uh, I bought thirty copies, and just suddenly I realized that all of them disappeared. Yep. Some people are coming into uh, into my office and. It's what happens. <laughs> Dr. Albeck, Dr. Hatfield. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you for please sure. Please do, please do. Thank you so much, Dr. Hatfield. Thank you so much. Uh, hope your trip to Italy. Stay in touch. Yes, sir. You, you okay, me, okay, you, okay. I'll put you. I'll put you two in touch. And Dr. Hatfield, I'm going to say it again because you do owe me an episode with your book, which is right over okay. your shoulder, three seconds till midnight, which we will cover. But I have to wrap this one up as well because I'm a man child and have to use the restroom. So <laughs> you guys take care. God bless. Have a wonderful evening. Recording Thank you so stopped. much. Stay safe, everybody.